0: That brings us to chapter 5, verse 1. This is another Exodus connection. So we see the connection to the Exodus with the general that is defeated with his horses and iron chariots, with the waters and the Moses-like leader who is actually kind of pathetic. And now we see another connection because just like the Exodus and was followed by a poem, a song that Moses sang, So is the deliverance of Israel followed by a song that Deborah's song and maybe even secondarily Barak helped write it. But Deborah is definitely the main influence here. So in verse 1 it says, On that day Deborah and Barak, son of Abiyom, sang this victory song. When the leaders took the lead in Israel, when the people answered the call, to war, praise Yahweh. Hear, O kings, pay attention, O rulers. I will sing to Yahweh, I will sing to Yahweh, God of Israel. O Yahweh, when you departed Seir, when you marched from Edom's plains, the earth shook and the heavens poured down, and the clouds poured down rain. The mountains trembled before Yahweh and the God of Sinai before the Yahweh, God of Israel. And as the days of Shamgar, son of Anath, and the days of Jael, caravans disappeared, travelers had gone, Go on the wind winding side roads, warriors were scarce. So she sings a song, knows at the beginning she's praising Yahweh. Barak's not getting the glory, Jael's not getting the glory, Deborah's not getting the glory, Yahweh is. She makes it very clear that the true king, the true judge, the true warrior, the true deliverer is actually Yahweh. And he's the one that made this all happen. She pay pay attention to all you rulers. Yahweh is the true sovereign king. Now she mentions that you departed from Seir in the region of Edom. Edom is down here in the south. Seir is a mountain. It's interesting is even though in the historical narratives throughout the Torah, we never get a picture of Yahweh resting on the mountain Seir, but all throughout the poetic literature we do seems that like, because Edom is the descendant of Esau, who's also part of the Abrahamic covenant, that God not only just had Mount Sinai with the Midianites and the Israelites, but he also had Mount Seir. There's this impression in poetry that Mount Seir keeps showing up that God has claimed more than one mountain as his own. And it seems to be common knowledge to them, yet it seems to be kind of lost to us in the historical records. Basically, he's making it clear that God came from Seir, Edom. He came from Sinai where the Israelites met him. Basically, all these places are his. He comes down at the mountain. He steps down to Israel's history, their geography, and he delivers them. And notice how he delivers them. He delivers them through rains. The heavens pour down rain. The clouds pour down rains. This is a storm. And when we get to Gideon, who's coming next, this is a foreshadowing of that, Gideon Is going to be dealing with the god Baal. And Baal is the Canaanite storm god. Right before we get into that Canaanite storm god polemic, battle, God Deborah is singing a song that's introducing Yahweh as the true storm god. And he's using the storm to defeat the enemy. And the mountains tremble. And then he goes on and says, Warriors were scarce, verse 7. They were scarce in Israel until you arose, Deborah, until you arose as a motherly protector in Israel. This makes it clear that there weren't really a lot of men who were being obedient to God. They were not godly. They were not doing what they were supposed to. And warriors were scarce, and nobody had the courage to do anything until Deborah rose up. And Deborah began to lead them as a motherly protector. God chose new leaders. Then fighters appeared in the city gates. But I swear not a shield or a spear could be found among the 40 military units in Israel. My heart went out to Israel's leaders, to the people who answered the call to war. So her heart going out is not like a sympathetic, I feel sorry for you, but my, my desire, my call my to you, went out to you, and who responded. People were answered the call to war. Praise Yahweh. You who ride on light-colored female donkeys, who sit on saddled blankets, you who walk on the road, pay attention. Hear the sound of those who divide the sheep among the watering places. There they tell of Yahweh's victorious deeds, the victorious deeds of the warriors in Israel. So she says, all you people up on high who ride on donkeys, donkeys are a symbol of kingship. And all you people were out in the fields as shepherds. The people were poor and out there, high and low. Everybody pay attention. Everybody listen up. The truth is that Yahweh's people went down to the city gates. Wake up, wake up, Deborah. Wake up, wake up, sing a song. Get up, Barak. Capture your prisoners of war, son of Abinon. And then the survivors came down to the mighty ones. And Yahweh's people came down to me as warriors. So she shouted for everybody to rise up, and people responded. They came from Ephraim, who were the tribe of Ephraim, who uprooted Amalek, They followed after you, Benjamin, who were soldiers from Markir. Leaders came down. From Zebulon came the ones who marched, carrying an officer's staff. Issachar's leaders were with Deborah. The men of Issachar supported Barak in the valley. They were sent under Barak's command. Among the clans of Reuben, there was intense heart searching. So she's listing off all these tribes that responded. This is a good thing. Remember, Joshua made the point that tribal unity among all the tribes is an important thing to battle. So Zebulon responded. Issachar responded. Reuben responded. Everybody begins to respond to this call. Why do you remain among your sheepfolds, listening to the shepherds playing their pipes with their flocks? As for the clans of Reuben, there was intense searching of heart. Gilead stayed put beyond the Jordan River as for Dan did they seek temporary employment in the shipyards Asher remained in the seacoast he stayed by his harbors and the men of Zebulun were not concerned with their, about their lives Natalia charged on the battlefields so then she goes on and says but Gilead, Dan, and Asher did not respond these tribes did not respond and so she's now you have to understand something Being immortalized in Scripture is your glory. That's your testimony. The testimony of the tribes is they responded. But likewise, the testimony of these other tribes is that they did not respond. And they are forever remembered in Scripture as not answering the call of Deborah. But in contrast, Zebulon and Naphtalia they charged in the battlefields without fear. So if you thought you were a fear and you think, oh, fear is an excuse, it's not because these other tribes weren't stopped. Kings came, they fought, the kings of Canaan fought at Ta'anach by the waters of Megiddo, but they took no silver as plunder. From the sky the stars fought, and from their paths in the heavens they fought against Sisera. Now, this is interesting because she's now shifting from the material realm of Israelite tribes fighting the battle to the heavenly realms. And when it says the stars fought, well, how does stars fight? If you do a search on Starry Host, like in BibleGateway.com or something like that, you will find that pretty much every single time the Starry Host is ever mentioned, it refers to angels. Starry Host is a metaphor for angels. And so now she's saying that not only did the tribes of Israel fight, but the angels fought on God's behalf as well. And so you have this partnership between the sons of God, the angels, and the adopted children of God, Israel, fighting together, even though they don't even though the humans don't really realize it. The starry host fought, their paths in the heavens, they fought against Sisera. The Kishon River carried them off, the river confronted them, and the Kishon River stepped on their necks of the strong. So then she mentions that the river flooded and wiped them out. Now remember in the narrative, we're told that God routed the enemy, and that's about it. And you, do, how did he do that? Well, now we're being told how he routed it. He fled the Kishon River, which is another Exodus parallel. Because just like God used the waters of the Red Sea to clobber the iron chariots and horsemen of Pharaoh's army, he's flooding this Kishon River and wiping them out that way. Once again, we talked about this before, but we're going to especially see this as we keep going. God loves to use nature as his weapon. Now you see, remember there's only three things in God's creation. The heavenly beings, the angels, the humans, and the planet nature itself. And so nature, the river, and the humans, Israel, and the angels have all united together in obedience to Yahweh in order to defeat the enemy of Sisera. It's a joint effort of land, humans, and God's heavenly beings. And then he says, step, or she says, step on the necks of the strong. We talked about that before with Joshua. Is that stepping on the neck of somebody is showing your dominance over them? The horses' hooves pounded the ground. The stallions galloped madly. Call judgment down on Miraz, says Yahweh's angelic messenger. Be sure to call judgment down on those who live there. Because they did not come to help in Yahweh's battle. Now what's interesting is that there's a judgment on the Canaanites led by Sisera for being the enemy of God. But there's also a judgment on the Israelites who did not respond to the battle cry. And God lumps the Israelites who are disobedient into the same category as the Canaanites who are disobedient. The most rewarded of women should be J.L. Now, knows that Barak is just barely mentioned. Rise up, Barak, and go. Deborah doesn't even mention herself. Only as just briefly, I sent a call out and people responded. It wasn't until Deborah came. But now, she really emphasizes Jael. Jael's the true victor. The wife of Heber the Kenite. She should be the most rewarded of women who live in the tents. He asked for water. She gave him milk. In a bowl fit for a king, she, she served him curds. Her left hand reached for the tent peg her right hand for the workman's hammer. She hammered Sisera, and she shattered his skull. She smashed his head, and she drove the tent peg through his temple. Between her feet he collapsed, he fell limped and was lifeless. And between her feet he collapsed and fell limped in the spot where he collapsed. There he fell limped, violently murdered. Now it has this idea of Sisera being in her lap and dying between her legs and her lap and that's kind of foreshadowing to what's coming next and so in this picture there's a motherly image here and so just like Deborah is called the mother who called warriors up to respond and fight the enemy, Jael is being portrayed as a mother who's executing judgment on this guy and so we always that's kind of a weird image for us to think of but it's like a motherly mother protecting her young kind of a thing and the enemy is there Verse 28, through the window she looked. Sisera's mother cried out through the lattice. Why is the chariot so slow to return? Why are the hoof beats of the chariot horses delayed? Now it shifts to Sisera's mother. And Deborah begins to sing a song, imagining what the mother Sisera is like. Deborah, the Sisera's mother is looking out the window, waiting for her son to come back from battle, and she keeps waiting, and she keeps waiting, and she keeps waiting, and, keeps waiting, and he never returns because... J.L. just killed him. And she doesn't know that. Now, as you begin to read this, your heart kind of goes out to her. All the poor mother, she's waiting for a child to come back, and he's never going to come back. And that should sadden you and make you feel compassion for her. Except the minute you begin to feel compassion, the narrator, Deborah, turns on you and strips all that compassion away. Don't feel sorry for this woman. She's jacked up and evil. And that's where we're going with this. The wisest of ladies answered, Indeed, she even thinks to herself. No doubt they are gathering, dividing the plunder. A girl or two for each man to rape. Sisera is grabbing up colorful cloth. He is grabbing up colorful embroidered cloth. Two pieces of colorful embroidered bro- cloth for the neck of the plunder. May all your enemies perish like this, O Yahweh. This word that's translated girl in the Hebrew actually is literally the word womb. The womb where babies come from in women's bodies. It's also used as a slang for her female genitalia. Think of the most vile, harsh swear word you can think of for the female genitalia, and that's the word that Deborah's using here. The image that Deborah's trying to paint is. Oh, the poor mother is waiting for her son to come back. But in her mind, she's thinking, yay, he's probably out there raping women and taking them for his own pleasure. And let's drink to that. And all I really care about is he's bringing back beautiful cloth, bringing back beautiful cloth, bringing back beautiful cloth. Now, why is it repeated three times? Emphasize that that's all she cares about. She doesn't care about the people who are dying. She doesn't care about the women that are being raped. All she cares about is her son is getting his pleasure. Hallelujah to that. And he's going to bring me back lots of fabric. And then so whatever compassion you feel, you're like, oh, my goodness, woman, you're sick and twisted. How in the world could any woman praise the rape of other women by her own son's hand and only care about beautiful fabric? And the point that Deborah's trying to make is this is the Canaanites. If this is how the mother thinks, then no wonder everybody is like this. And so what Deborah is making the point is an irony. Sisera is dying between the legs of J.L., and the mother thinks that Sisera is taking women out by force. And so Deborah is trying to communicate to you, these people deserve to die. These people deserve to die. This is wickedness at its greatest. She says this in verse 31, May all your enemies perish like this, O Yahweh. But may those who love you shine like the rising sun at its brightest, and the land had rest for 40 years. Deborah ends her song saying that people like this deserve to be punished at God's hand. But the people who rose up in obedience to God to punish evil and remove it from the earth deserve to shine like the sun and glory and celebration. This is Deborah the prophetess's theological assessment of this battle and this war and what's going on. And some of you might be feeling like, wow, that was kind of like profane. But what's interesting is God put it in his Bible and Deborah sung a song about it. And I'm not encouraging you to write songs like that. God never sugarcoats anything. And the people of the ancient world didn't sugarcoat things as much as we're used to today. They call it what it is. And what she's saying is this is what these people are truly like. This is why they deserve to die. And the people of God responded in obedience to God, and this is why they deserve to be rewarded. And they don't put evil in a nice little dress with a bow in their hair for you. They show evil for what it really is because then you understand why God is dealing with it the way it is. I think sometimes when we see the harsh punishments of God or the harsh judgments, we think, wow, God, how could you? Like, I thought you were loving God. Because we're real used to in America and the modern-day Western culture dressing up evil to make it look better. We rationalize it a lot or we're unwilling to really face the true horror of what it is or our culture basically says, oh, there's no real... Right and wrong, whatever's true for you is true for you and true for me. And and we watch this stuff and entertain ourselves with it on television all the time. And we begin to lose the meaning of what it means to really say what evil truly is. The Bible is making sure that you know God was just and what he's doing because this is what evil is. And that's Deborah's song of praise to Yahweh as the great warrior who stepped up and delivered Israel, and how Jael allowed herself to be used by Yahweh, and a few of the tribes responded in obedience. In contrast to the other tribes in Barak, who hesitated and didn't obey. And they are lumped in with the judgment of Sisera. And so that brings an end to the Deborah-Barak cycle. And it ends by them having peace for 40 years, which is less time than... With Ehud. It's less time with Ehud.